and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining. Introducing now from the sovereign nation of Poe Landon, you can follow him on Twitter at Landoz. You know him, some of you love him, but you gotta respect him. It's the Dawes Landon Dome. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. It is me. It is Bourbon Boobs. It is the Tennessee high spot. Landon the Dawes Doan. Joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team partner. By God, he is shoot, my best friend. It's Will freaking Rab. Rab, how we doing this morning, noon, or after evening? And by the way, it is a podcasting day, so you know what that means. We're recording this on a Wednesday, so it's a podcasting day, and it's also Wednesday, so you know what that means. I'm doing good. It is... Absolutely gorgeous today in downtown Winchester, uh, Tennessee, as I work from the uh, loft of the Palatial Rab Estate uh, here in southern middle Tennessee. Uh, Definitely glad the sun's out. The weather looked a little bit sketchy. I ended up calling a uh, high school baseball game from the bleachers uh, last night like I was a Cubs fan. And it really was (laughs) like being a Cubs fan because uh, the team that I am the uh, voice of Lost eight to two. Ouch, and, ouch. Yeah. That hurts. That hurts. Just like the Cubs. And oh, that's that's not nice. That's not nice. The 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 Cubs of my childhood. They're better now. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately they're dismantling the team. And as a Cubs fan, I think this is gonna be the last year that I could enjoy the combination of Brizzo of uh of Bryant and Rizzo, and that breaks my heart. But by the way, they are killing it. In the spring league, so <laughs> <laughs> for 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 what it's for what it's worth, they're they're dominating the cactus league. Exactly, yeah, they're winning all the games that don't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> Random fact on that: you know how many preseason games the Patriots won the year they went eighteen and one? What zero? Yep. Oh no! So the Cubs are gonna. Are, are, well, the <laughs> Cubs are back. The Cubs are back, everybody. But yeah, also, by the way, 60 degrees on an overcast evening with a 10-mile-an-hour breeze is a lot colder than 60 degrees when you end up at the game. But I am doing good, man. (laughs) I am excited to talk about the sweet science of professional wrestling and what's going on in the squared circle. And we have a lot to talk about uh, since the the last time we potted it up because we, you know, had some scheduling delays and and whatnot. Uh, But going to talk about what happened at Revolution and the, you know, uh, greatest exploding barbed wire deathmatch finale of all time. There's some oh. WrestleMania news uh, as well. Uh, you have uh, seen the WWE Network transition to Peacock. Uh, they still won't make a Fire Stick app, so there you go. I'm not signing up for Peacock to they do that, and I'm not giving Vince McMahon any of my money. But, Doss, how are you doing, man? Uh, Not too bad. Similar to the weather you're enjoying in your neck of the woods. It is 70 degrees, bright and sunny out. Did look kind of overcast a little bit, but it seems like uh, uh, Mr. Sun is winning the fight, so to speak. And if this weather holds up, I think after we're done here, I might have to step out on my back patio and enjoy a nice cigar. It's so nice outside. Oh, it is. It is cigar weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just hoping the weather is uh, good. Kept it up this weekend. Uh, now, the wife is going to visit a college friend because she works on the school schedule. They have spring break. Uh, I have ball games and, and a day job and stuff to do. But I'm getting a little <laughs> brocation coming up. So maybe the weather will be nice uh, this weekend, not only so I can take care of some of the honeydew stuff 
uh, that needs to be done because you know you got to get caught up on the yard when it turns to March and it, it it's overgrown uh-huh. and all that crap. Yep. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, it, it would be the worst thing in the world to move the uh, flat screen out on the uh, porch and um, watch some Sweet Sixteen action uh, this weekend if it cooperates. But I have a feeling my luck is just going to be a deluge. Uh, but speaking of deluge, uh, Dawes. What in the hell happened at the end of that death match between Omega and Mox? Like, we'll talk about the match in a moment because I think the bell to bell was really good. But Jesus Christ, and Kenny Omega's shopping at the discount fireworks stand, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it would apparently appear so, especially if you believe the story that uh, TK told the uh, post-show media scrum. Yeah, uh, what we got... At the very end of Revolution, when uh, John Moxley laying practically dead, Eddie Kingston covering his uh, his friend to protect him, we got some legendary wrestle crap stuff. Like like for better or for worse, this is going to be the one thing that people remember from this show, and it's it's unfortunate because I don't think it was AEW's best pay per view. Uh, performance but it wasn't a bad card by any stretch of the means but i mean like like this is going to like when 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 the sun burns out and the only thing left on this little rock we call earth are cockroaches uh twinkies and share people are still going to be talking about the just complete botched ending of that exploding barbed wire death match i mean like unfortunately aew had their very first, not famous moment, their very first infamous moment. So what was worse, the ending of that match or the debut of the Shockmaster? Ooh, um, I'm going to say, <laughs> ooh, wow, wow. Dad, I have seen a lot of people compare this to uh, Shockey's debut. I'm going to say this because Shockmaster was dead on arrival. Even if he didn't trip over himself bursting through the wall, he was going to be stupid. His gimmick, like like his mask, was a bedazzled stormtrooper helmet. Are you kidding me? That that guy, that guy was 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 not going to go over anyway. By the way, I want to clarify: this isn't the first infamous moment AEW's had. I think Matt Hardy almost dying on a pay per view. I think that was their very first infamous moment. And it's like, I'll be honest, like I I said, it wasn't their worst. It wasn't their best pay per view. But like I I think this trends more towards the worst than it does the best. Like like I, looking back on this card, I did enjoy it while while I watched it, but nothing really jumps out at me as I go back and look at the results. Like it, it was definitely an enjoyable card uh, from top to bottom, but there was some stuff that like kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I like. It might not be fair, but the ending of this match, when that's the last thing you, the paying customer, sees is uh, the uh, announced team trying to sell this. Like, like they just opened a can of napalm in the ring and Eddie Kingston and John Moxley are dead. And as it fades to black, you hear the AEW crowd, which, by the way, was the biggest crowd they've had since the pandemic Boo. started. Yeah, booing chanting refund like this went over like a fart in church so you're, you're saying is it kenny omega and john moxley could have had an exploding barbed wire death match 
in the Tokyo Dome and it been a 17-star match and it would have lost five stars because they lit some sparklers at the end. Like, it ruined the whole thing for you. I, I think bell to bell, it was fine. I enjoyed the story they told. Um, and I do think this was a feud that did warrant the inclusion of an exploding barbed wire deathmatch gimmick just because this had been going so long and these two had beaten the hell out of each other. But I'm not going to lie, that ending really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So let me ask you this because, look, I get the premise of a barbed wire deathmatch. Like, I watch, like, again, we talked about not only is there Dark Side of the Ring on Vice, I don't know if they still have it. I might have found it on demand when I was... Uh, with another uh, streaming TV provider, and they may not be making any new episodes. There's also a docu series called The Wrestlers, and like that's actually you know the first you know not, not the first time, but you could actually see Darby Allen wrestle before AEW because they were covering some of these indie guys uh, and, and what they go through. And like he did a whole episode on Japanese wrestling. He did a whole episode on the Death Match. So I kind of get the premise of a death match, and I certainly understand when they say exploding barbed wire. Okay, we're going to wrap the ring in barbed wire, and every time you hit it, an explosion's going to go off. Is it typical that there's a timer on the ring and it explodes, or was that AEW trying to gild the lily? Like, I don't blame them for trying to do a little bit more in doing a death match which a, with, with a higher budget than most death matches, because they don't often happen in, like, big promotions, because... It's a freaking death match. Like, it's it's niche of the niche. But it seems to me like, you know, if... Like, I would have been fine with them having a really good killer match going 30 minutes and the only explode... You know, what about an exploding baseball bat? You know, exploding baseball bat and the, the barbed wire explodes when you bounce off of it. But I, I, this, I don't get why the ring had to explode at the end. That's just me. But I also know that you know, like you said, uh, it went all it went it went down like a fart in church. And and it's unfortunate because I mean, you even mentioned there was an exploding baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. I thought that was a pretty cool little gimmick, and 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 I understand why they put this gimmick on there because I mean, the last thing that you said on our podcast leading into Revolution was uh, nothing's going to top this exploding freaking barbed wire match. I mean, like, like this had people talking about it, whether they were crazy yeah. excited about it or whether they're like, I don't want them to do this because, you know, blood and guts wrestling isn't necessarily my thing. But it, it, it's, it's so damn disappointing what we got. Especially at the end, I don't want to take anything away from Moxley or Omega because I do think they told a good story in the ring, them testing each other early, you know, avoiding touching the rope so, you know, they wouldn't be blowed up. Um, I'll be honest, even though I knew, I knew it was coming, I could have done without the Good Brother interference, but I mean, Kenny Omega is a heel and they have like their pseudo bullet club thing going on, so you knew they were going to get involved. Um, I loved the reveal of Eddie Kingston trying to come out and save his friend. And originally I was like, why is Eddie Kingston not even featured on this car? Why, why isn't he in the, in the uh, ladder match for the face of the TNT uh, title shot or whatever. But I loved him coming out at the end. I loved him saving his friend, but I just, Oh God, like it's, it's, uh, that, mm, yeah, I, I will. I will say this. I do think AEW has done a good job on Dynamite the last couple of weeks of making chicken salad out of chicken shit. 
Very Look, true. Yes, it it sucks. Uh, they tried to spin it in storyline. What you and look, I don't want to ruin the illusion for everybody, but you told me that from what you can tell, the research you did on this, that AEW had tested some things because we talked about it, right? Because we all grew up uh, with uh, Mayor Knoxville, Glenn Kane, Jacobs uh, coming to the ring, and Jr. talking about Hellfire and Brimstone, and Kane would lift his arms up and drop them. And he had summoned the fire from hell, right? And yep. like that was beautiful and physically imposing and scary and everything all at the same time. Like you didn't know when that pyro was going to go off and those flame cannons were going to set the ring on fire. And to the best of my knowledge, that never uh, screwed up. So I don't know what AEW intended. I know they had tested something more robust. Um I guess on the bright side, one thing, hey, you screwed up some pyro. Uh, we didn't end up uh, with an incident because, you know, WWE's had some, or wrestling's had some infamous incidents on some stunts not go well. Mm-hmm. Not to bring up uh, any names because everybody just knows what we're talking about and zip lines. Mm-hmm. And we'll just leave that there. So, I mean, like, hey. We, yeah, yeah. Look, we can, we can look, contain this to just AEW. This isn't one of your performers falling, busting their heads, and making me, the paying customer, think, holy shit, did I just see Matt Hardy die yep. on pay-per-view? So, the, look, you messed up some fireworks. AEW redeemed themselves really well. The The promo that Moxley cut on the uh, the, the Dynamite right after uh, Revolution, that pretty much fixed it kayfabe, even though everybody knows, hey, that in, in, in reality... Um, uh, AEW just screwed up, but I think it's all right, kayfabe, that you can kind of take a shot at Impact and you have that rivalry going back and forth. And hey, of course, the the pyro screwed up because Don Callis is a dumbass. <laughs> like we, nobody likes Don Callis anyway. So yep. mm-hmm. there you go. And then the mat, the tag match between the Good Brothers and Eddie Kingston and John Moxley last week was fantastic. And to see that two guys who were at each other's throats earlier in the year because Eddie kind of uh, lost his way and got got drunk on his ego, uh, that blood ends up being thicker than water uh, is, a, is a great story. And I'm kind of excited to see what they can do with Mox and Eddie uh, moving forward because they do make a good uh, duo and they do have legitimate history from back in the day so it makes sense uh, you know that the lone wolf john moxley does have at least one friend in the company yeah and i i never thought i would uh wanted a tag team of eddie kingston and john moxley but after the pairing after the promos they've done i do think they did a good job saving face um i really like the pairing i think if this went off without a hitch the ending i'm talking about I, I said it on the last podcast. I thought this was the way they were going to write John Moxley off. They were going to give him kind of that hero's death, uh, then let him come back as the spirit of vengeance and uh, try and uh, get his revenge. I thought this, and if this does, if this does go off without a hitch, I think we would be entering into an Eddie Kingston Kenny Omega program, which I think mm-hmm. still would, might happen. Would have been killer. It's like I, I don't know if. If that's where they're going, because uh, I guess the other big thing coming out of uh, Revolution was the much hype, 
and in my words, completely overhyped uh, debut of Christian Cage. It really seems like we're getting a Christian Cage, Kenny Omega program just based on uh, Christian and, well, Kenny's actions over these last couple weeks on Dynamite. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love I love Christian. I love Christian Cage. Uh, in my entire life, I've bought one TNA piece of merchandise. Well, I bought a couple DVDs, but I bought one T-shirt. T-shirt. And it was a Christian Cage t-shirt. And it's like somewhere in a box, I still have that thing. I, I consider myself one of his peeps. I, I, I was a massive fan of the Christian Coalition back when it was him and AJ Styles and Scott Steiner and Tomko uh, back in TNA. But I, this, no, excuse me, this reminded me a whole lot of, you remember when the pandemic started or it was right around uh, the beginning of the pandemic and AEW had transitioned to uh, dailies and that was now the home of dynamite and uh-huh. John Moxley and Jake Hager had an empty arena match and it was recorded and then played on the next episode of dynamite and Tony Khan got on social media saying this was amazing it was one of if not the best empty arena matches I've ever seen so brutal. and it was meh exactly yeah I think I think the way they talked about how this is a a Hall of Fame caliber person, uh, this person is uh, going to outwork everyone. I don't know if those are necessarily wrong, but with the way it was hyped, I think this was another instance of AEW overselling and then under-delivering. Like, like if Christian had just shown up on Revolution, yeah. people were like, wait, holy shit, Christian's here, that's awesome. I think people would have been really excited about it, but when you had... It hyped and built to these unrealistic expectations of it's going to be CM Punk, it's going to be Brock Lesnar, it's going to be John Cena. Like, like none of those options were realistic. And well, I, that I, that that's the important thing there, Dawes. None of those options are realistic. Like John Cena's not dumb. He's not gonna he's not gonna burn that bridge and go to AEW. If he wants to wrestle five or six times a year, he'll just show up in WWE because he's got the golden ticket. He's got the gold. He's the golden goose. Yep. Brock Lesnar, the same thing. His advocate, his real-life buddy, the guy who helps make him so good because Brock sucks on the mic, Paul <laughs> Heyman's in WWE. And plus, you know, again, WWE will let him show up six times a year and, and do six programs and wrestle about three months collectively combined all year. I, I I don't know that I think that AEW is about that. CM Punk, for better or for worse, has stepped on some toes behind the scenes, and AEW's not really interested in doing business with him. So those guys were never realistic. I honestly I do, think it's more CM Punk isn't interested in doing business with think, AEW. I honestly think if Phil Brooks picked up the phone and called Tony Khan and said, hey, TK, you got a spot for me? He would be on the next Dynamite or the next pay-per-view or like he would be on the next plane down to Florida. I honestly think this is Punk not wanting to come back. I, that could be true. So I, I think you're right in the idea that this was built up to be a major signing, but it's also that, you know, the the wrestling fan, we do it to ourselves at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it, it's going to – we want CM Punk to be in AEW so bad. And, it, it, look, I kid it would be fantastic. But it is still – it still is a pretty big deal for – Christian to sign with AEW. And it's certainly better than what you and I thought it was going to be when all the signs pointed to it being Kurt Angle because 
I love Kurt. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't want to see him work anymore. Like he could barely limp his ass out to the ring the last time he was in Impact. Well, and so then, yeah, not to mention his lackluster last run in WWE where he quote unquote retired. And good on Kurt because he he knew that people were out there thinking it was him. Saturday, the day of the pay per view, he's out there retweeting videos of him putting his gear on and and getting yeah. people hyped. It's and it's like I'll admit at one point it's like. Okay, I guess it is Kurt Angle, but Kurt totally uh, <laughs> totally pulled one on the wrestling fans. Good on you, I, Kurt. I, I will say this, though. Say what you will about the debut. And look, I know WW, I know AEW had the... Why am I getting WWE and AEW mixed up today? Uh, AEW has the ranking system, and I do think they need to figure out a way to work these storylines back to that mattering a little bit more because things have gotten kind of muddied in that territory. Not that I think you have to be a slave to the rankings. If you got two guys that have some beef, if they can tell an interesting story, you know, put them in a wrestling match, put them in a program for the title or whatever. Uh, if Christian and Kenny do a program, even if it's just kind of a, a short-term thing and it's kind of a, for lack of a better... The, the, it's a bridge feud. I don't want to say stopgap, but it's kind of a bridge to something bigger than cool. Because we all know where that's heading if you watched Dynamite last week. Uh, Matt and Nick Jackson have had enough of Don Callis' bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'm really negative on AEW this episode. You bringing up the, the Young Bucks, they had a killer match with uh, Jericho and MJF. I really don't know if there's another act or program that I've been less whelmed, or I guess underwhelmed is the correct term I'm looking for, since the start of AEW and Dynamite, seeing them on a weekly basis than I am with the Young Bucks. Because, like, I just said they had a good match with Jericho and MJF, but every one of their matches, it feels the same. It's very formulaic, and it's like, like, I honestly feel like if you've seen one Young Buck match, You've seen the majority of them, and 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 I hate to say that because like I do think they have the tools to be a very exciting tag team. I'm just having a little bit of buck fatigue, and I yeah. don't know if it's if it's just if it, uh, seeing through the matrix, so to speak, and seeing their formula and seeing them hit the same spots over and over again, or if it's this program that they're in with with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Like like I I, I don't know if I can buy the Young Bucks as faces. At this point, like, like I, and, and even, even going back to their, their program with Jericho and MJF, the introduction of them, like killing Papa Buck. It's like, was that really necessary for, 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 a, for a match against a team that a just came together and B won a uh, battle Royal to get the uh, tag strap shot. Like, like I, I, I don't know, Rab, maybe, maybe talk me off the ledge when it comes to the young buck, because uh, I'm not, because I'm, I'm, I've about had my fill of the Bucks at this I, point. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to talk you off the ledge, but I'm just going to tell you what I think and let's see where we end up. And we'll let Bryce Rimsberg slide in and make the three count here in a second. <laughs> um, so, I, I do like the potential of the Young Bucks because you got to remember some of the greatest matches thus far in AEW have involved the Young Bucks. That's true. 2020 Revolution, mm -hmm. they tore the house down with Hangman and Kenny. Uh, the FTR match where they got the straps was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. uh, several of their matches 
in the early stages of AEW with the Lucha Brothers That's were really true. good. That what they had a ladder match for the AAA tag strap or something like that, and that was awesome. And that was awesome. Heck, they had the street fight or whatever in Texas towards the end of 2019, right before, you know, the world stopped. That was pretty good. They come out there with the football helmets and everything. They had a good street fight with Butcher and Blade. Um, So I, I really like, I like the in-ring product. And yeah, maybe it's a little bit for, formulaic. Maybe, you know, I'm going to look for that a little bit more and see if that's resonating with me. They kind of do the same thing. I kind of get similar vibes that I, I get with the Bucks that you uh, get with Cody in that you at some point you know what's going to happen. And, and I don't know if the Bucks are as bad as Cody is about putting themselves over because I think sometimes it makes sense in where they're at for them to win. But, you know, there is kind of a routine uh, to their matches. So I think it's some of that, although I think they've had some good matches. And even if it is a formula, it's a good formula. They're a good tag mm -hmm. team. The biggest, if I had to have a flaw with the Bucks, is the booking. Yeah. To me, and, the booking mm -hmm. is worse than the bell to bell. Because if you really think about it, every wrestler kind of has a formula. You know what I mean? I think you have, and you have to try to mix that up, but you also kind of sort of have to play the hits a little bit because you got to give the people what they want. Like they say that that's kind of a joke when best friends in Orange Cassidy embrace, but there's some truth to what Excalibur says. Uh, you know, ask any musician, they got all, they probably got three dozen songs they want to play, but you know, uh, people want to hear Hell's Bells and Thunderstruck. Mm -hmm. That's true. So I think the bigger thing is to figure out how to position the Bucks. And like I think what you're talking about, sometimes it's hard to believe them as a face. So sometimes you kind of have to overbook. Book. They have to be a little edgy. But if they get into a program moving forward where that's more the forefront with Kenny and the Good Brothers, I think I can believe that they're the face because I think they can kind of present, hey, look, dude, we don't see eye to eye with Don Callis. We don't like how he's changed you. You can do whatever you want if you if this is how you need to be and be the cleaner and, and be this scumbag so you can be the world champion. You do you, but we got to look out for the company basically and, and become the company guys. Or Kenny and the Good Brothers just needed to decapitate him and they're off of TV for like six months. Like, I, I don't know, something in maybe something in between those is a little bit more even. But I think if they don't overbook it, I can kind of get behind, hey, it's the Bucks who are not, it's the Bucks who are going to have to step in and, and stop their fellow EVP from running roughshod over AEW and doing whatever the hell he wants because he's on a power trip right now. But. I think the Bucks booking is worse than is the issue I have more so than okay they kind of do all the same stuff in the matches and you know you're gonna get some stereo some stereo super kicks and uh, tope uh, cone hero and some flippy dips and some stunt monkey some some stunt monkey stuff uh, and then the Bucks are gonna get the the Bucks are gonna get the pinfall and go over.
So, you know, I don't know. I still I still enjoy the the in the ring product. That's just me. Okay. Well, and when when you do lay it out, I I think you did kind of help me take a step back from the ledge because I I as you were laying it out, it's like, okay, you're right. Like they they've had some of the best matches, most exciting moments in AEW history. So, I I think you made me realize it's like, yes, okay, I have seen through the matrix and I know we're going to get, you know, that weird moonsault DDT combo. We're going to get super kick parties and stuff like that. But I think you made me realize my issue is more with the book. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, if you had told me when AEW started, all right, we're going to get a program uh, featuring Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and, and the surprise involvement of the Good Brothers, I'd be like, awesome. I am down for this. But for whatever reason, like, I... I don't know. This program isn't grabbing me the way I'd hoped it had. I think the problem is sometimes you're trying to split the baby in half. So you kind of have simultaneous uh, things uh, going. Uh, You decide to have uh, MJF and, and Jericho become the number one contenders for the tag deal. And then them losing to the Young Bucks is going to be the impetus uh, for the next chapter in the story of the Inner Circle. And we'll get to that uh, in a minute. But at the same time, you kind of have this weird thing going where, you know, hey, yeah, because they have a history, the Bucks are excited because the Good Brothers are around. But but the Good Brothers won't stop doing the, the Bullet Club thing. And uh, the Young Bucks are not really 100% down uh, for the... Uh, AEW sort of through the forbidden door, kind of, sort of, but not really Bullet Club. And so you're kind of split between things and and trying to figure out what to do with that kind of leads to a mess booking-wise. And not that I think you can go out there and have bad matches, but the thing that always is more important to me, if I have folks that I know can work and the Bucks can work, even if they are a little bit formulaic, is... I'm much more interested in what the story is yeah. than, oh, well, you know, it's the bu- hey, surprise, surprise, the Bucks did a bunch of super kicks and won a match. Like, that, you know, at, at the same time, you, again, you got to give the people what they want. I want to see some clarity, and, and I think maybe if the Bucks here soon drop the straps to Death Triangle, and I think you could definitely have a good storyline along that. The Bucks kind of off go off their guard because they're worried about what's going on with Kenny and the Good Brothers, and they're not focused on the on, on uh, Penta and, and uh, uh, Pac. I, I think that could help because you can get the Bucks into a good hardcore feud with their friends because they're not worried about you know the tag champs ignoring the tag division and not defending the belts or whatever. Like I think the best thing that maybe can happen for the bucks is for their title reign to end soon. Yeah, I get that because uh, this is definitely a program that doesn't need the tag straps. So speaking on Death Triangle, apparently uh, it's come out that Pac is dealing with a small injury, so much so that on the uh, latest episode of Dynamite, by the way, we're going to uh, pull the curtain back here a little bit. The latest episode of Dynamite I'm referring to is the episode that is uh, airing tonight, uh, Wednesday, March 24th. Uh, the cool. Lucha, uh, Lucha Bros are getting back together with uh, with the Laredo Kid, uh, so it's... It seems like I, I, I saw that and I was actually excited about that. Oh, dude, me too. I, I remember uh, Laredo Kid in, I guess, the very first double or nothing pay-per-view, uh, the event that I guess was the uh, 
genesis the, of of AEW. It was that AEW was their first before event, yeah. it was AEW. Yeah, and but yeah, I'm excited to see the Laredo kid back in the fold of AEW. I don't know if this is going to be a long term situation or if this is going to be like a like a Maki Ito thing, you know, featured for a couple weeks and then back to their respected promotions. Now, hopefully, uh, speaking of Maki Ito, by the way, we had the grand opening and grand closing of Maki Ito and AEW. Uh, since Revolution, but hopefully uh, she'll be back on a more regular basis, just like I hope the Laredo kid will be featured in AEW on a more regular basis. But uh, you did make Was she the one who turned down the Dark Order on BTE this week? Yes, yes, that is Maki Ito, yes. Yeah, who, uh, we need more We need, need more of that, because she was, she was really good. Oh, I love Maki Ito. She's <laughs> such a unique character and a unique performer. She's like, insane. Like, lo- love her, yes. But you did make reference to the next chapter of the Inner Circle story. We got to talk about this. Like, like yes. I, I think we all kind of predicted that uh, MJF and Jericho weren't going to pick up the titles and this would lead to the downfall of the Inner Circle. But I think a lot of us were kind of thinking that MJF was going to surplant Jericho as the leader of the Inner Circle and like fraction off and it's like Jericho and Sammy are now fighting against the inner circle I don't think any of us predicted what actually happened when MJF when it looked like the entire inner circle had figured out his gimmick uh that he had been uh, kind of the cancer in the group when they all turned on him we're getting ready to whip his ass he said this whole time I've been building my own inner circle lights go down lights come back up Wardlow, FTR, Sean Spears, uh, Tully Blanchard in the ring, and they beat the hell out of the inner circle, and we now have a group called The Pinnacle, which, okay, yes, um, the name is very underwhelming. The Pinnacle sucks. sounds like... <laughs> The, the, the pinnacle sounds like a place you go to like get clean or something. The pinnacle sounds like a company that will sell you life insurance. I it doesn't have the same uh, panache as like the Four Horsemen or Degeneration X or New World Order. But I love this team that they formed, and I'm super excited to see where it goes. The pinnacle sounds like the name of like a sleazy mid-level strip club. <laughs> like the pinnacle sounds. Like the name of a strip club that is trash, but the name is trying to convince you that it's like a high dollar. I get strip that. Club. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But as somebody who's gone to a lot of uh, low to mid level strip clubs, I totally get what you're saying. Like the like the Pinnacles, the name of like a strip club on Bourbon Street that's trying to convince you <laughs> that it's like the Penthouse Club and like there's nice steaks and shit and it's classy. And it's not. It's like the place where you pass out in a pee trough after the <laughs> national championship game. Like that poor guy at Razoo's that one time that LSU and Alabama played in the national championship game and the South could not handle their alcohol. Mm-hmm. So the, the name sucks. But the group is fantastic. And they can call themselves whatever you want. I'm going to call them the, the off-brand horsemen. I'm going to call them the dollar store horsemen, and so it doesn't matter. Uh, the classic double swerve in wrestling, because we've been seeing it for weeks, right? Sammy had figured out, he had figured out MJF's con. And MJF thought that he had convinced part of the inner circle to join up with him. And I'd even said to you, hey, man, it's really unfortunate there's an odd number of people in the inner circle because they could have a, ter- a terrific blood and guts match. Yep, you did. 
And it well, seems like it seems like AEW realized that too. It's like, oh, just wait, <laughs> just wait, oh, just wait. So I love the actual group. I love that we kind of have some again uh, store brand, store brand horsemen slash NWO slash Degeneration X. Are you kidding me? MJF, best heel in AEW. Uh, FTR, great heel tag team. Finally, something interesting to do with Sean Spears because he's so good. <laughs> yeah, this elevates a player in AEW that hasn't really had a spot. I mean, it's like it kind of goes back to his whole debut with Cody. It's like everybody says, I'm just a good hand. That's that's a backhanded compliment. And it's like, like he is a good hand. And I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. But this this kind of elevates him. This brings him up yeah. another level. And then Wardlow is just a BAMF. God. Like, he, like, like, that should be on the graphic that pops up his lower third every week. It should just say BAMF. 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 <laughs> Dude is a hoss. Now, I still think at some point he is going to get tired of MJF's crap, and that is going to be a tremendous feud when Wardlow snaps MJF mm -hmm. across his knee like a twig. Yep, throws him uh, out of dailies in Jacksonville to uh, Raymond James in Tampa. Like, just launches him like a dart. Throws him so hard that he goes from Daly's place to the Riverfront Amphitheater in Nashville <laughs> to make an AFC South reference there. Go anyway, Titans. I don't know how my brain works sometimes, but tighten the hell up. Yes, yes, uh, you're you're defending <laughs> AFC South champions, <laughs> but but yeah, it's like I love this pairing. And then MJF put out a uh, video on his social media where he it's about a 90 second clip, and it goes back over the last several months. All the players in Pinnacle have referred to themselves at one point or another as the pinnacle of professional wrestling. So this is another instance of AEW with some killer long-term booking. I'm excited to see where this goes. Hopefully this does lead to the blood and guts match between these two factions. I don't see how it can't, honestly, lead to a blood and guts match between these two factions. Um, and honestly, I think it's, it's going to be refreshing to see a face inner circle like like i mean the crowd already sings along to judas mm -hmm. um sammy guevara's offense i've always thought like I, i've said on this podcast before as soon as he turns face his offensive set is just going to be straight money um proud and powerful or likable and and jake hager i think has come a long way since his jack swagger days it's like i think people are ready to cheer for the inner circle so it's going to be fun for us the fans to get that opportunity and like honestly, this this might be a good way to um, let the inner circle ride off into the sunset because I don't know how much further this group can go because they've been around since day one of AEW Dynamite. Yeah, I think it's time for them to have this feud with the Pinnacle and kind of help establish uh, that faction mm -hmm. and kind of begin the transition to have some of these guys uh, being in a face situation. Because again, uh, Sammy Guevara is a million. Sammy, Sammy Guevara is, you know, a million bucks. He, he's got it. Uh, and it was smart to put him and Jericho in the early days of AEW and, and take that stupid dead Hand animal carcass yeah. off his head. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But he's, he's, got, he's got, you know, long-term viability. Uh, 
love pr- love proud and powerful and Jake Hager is again he's in the uh BAMF category mm-hmm. and so he's just muscle you know he doesn't talk that much anyway so it doesn't matter he's kind of you know he's the inner circles wardlow it it doesn't really matter he just kind of does whatever needs to be done and then eventually again we got one match between these two. Uh, those two big hosses going to get in the ring again at some point, and that's going to be fantastic. A Hager versus Wardlow uh, once again, uh, and we'll see if the ring survives. So uh, I-, I like that all around. Real quickly, Dots, because we do need to kind of make a transition over to WWE. Uh, I want to just run through the results from Revolution. We don't necessarily have to talk about all these matches, but just so folks know what. Uh, happened and there is a match from Dynamite here recently that I want to talk about before we wrap up our AEW talk for the week. Uh, Britt Baker uh, did uh, with uh, Mati Ito, whatever. Maki Ito, uh, yeah. Maki Ito uh, did defeat Riho Thunder Rosa, and of course we know the match that's set up that we're going to talk about in a minute. The Young Bucks got the win over the Inner Circle. Uh, Ray Phoenix. Uh, help the Death Triangle win the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal, and I am excited for Death Trial Triangle versus Young Bucks when we get to that point. By the way, real quick in that match, we 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 ragged on the uh, the the farty fireworks at the end of uh, Revolution. Uh, Evil Uno, what the hell was that that botch elimination in this tag team battle royal? Like like they showed it on Being the Elite, so even if you didn't order the pay per view, like holy crap, buddy. Um, I, I appreciate you sticking to the spot that was called, but sometimes you just got to be like, okay, we're, we're going to call an audible because if you look at the video, it's literally um, uh, Marco Stunt goes for a Hurricane Rana. Uh, Evil Uno stands up. Realize, er, there goes Marco. And he's like, oh, crap, I'm supposed to go. So he literally runs himself into the, into the ring post and eliminates himself. <laughs> I, I mean, are we are we sure Nakazawa's not up to his old shit once again? No kidding, Michael Nakazawa strikes again. <laughs> but uh, so the Deaf Triangles, the number one contenders, and they look like a million bucks. And I am sort of digging this. Are they kind of a face right now in Deaf Triangle? Because I think they're kind of over with the crowd. Oh, they're definitely uh, I, over. I don't know if they're full blown face. They're, I I view them as tweeners. Yeah. I, I'm digging. I'm digging them right now. I'm glad they're getting reunited. Uh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna waste my breath on what went down with Penta and Cody. If if that was all that comes from that feud, if there's not more to that, my God, no that was that was a waste. And that's all we're gonna say because otherwise we're gonna be pissed off for two hours. But that was bullshit. Though we did get the image of uh, Penta wearing a green St. Patrick's Day hat, which is just so damn hilarious. Him and his full wrestling get up wearing a like like Party City hat and making fun doing of the so. doing the ceremony yeah. with the Party <laughs> City hat. And it was a great match. Uh huh. It was. And they're yeah, probably it, it, uh, good, they're, that's probably the end of that feud. It was a two week feud. Like Ugh, so damn on, disappointing. Y'all. That that could have been so good. Uh, <laughs> hopefully something comes of that. But Miro and Kip uh, submitted the best friends. Uh, Miro doesn't really care about having another match with the best friends. Kip can't get over it because uh, Kip sucks balls. Uh, <laughs> and they might have another match. 
and I will go take a dump during that match. Yeah, they're having like a video game lumberjack match or something. I don't know. Just, just please, end it's this stupid. And make, and make I, I, I'm monster. gonna go. I'm gonna go take. I'm gonna go take a doo doo during that match and put it on Twitch, and it's gonna be so much better than whatever the hell that is. Uh, Hangman Adam Page defeated Big Money Matt Hardy, uh, and. Uh, got Matt Hardy's first quarter or earnings and the and uh, the Dark Order spent it on a bunch of stuff, even though they had that Chili's money rolling in. But Hangman got his lawnmower and almost flipped it over. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Again, we, we talked about long-term storytelling at AEW. This is another example of uh, AEW telling a story about how Hangman just wanted a new damn lawnmower. And, and it took him several months, but by God, he got his lawnmower. And there's all these people tuning in to, Dyn- or tuning in to Dynamite who don't watch BTE, who just like that time that the Dark Order drove 14 snapper lawnmowers out there are like, <laughs> what in the fuck is going on? It's like, did they just get sponsored by, by uh, Snapper or John Deere or something? <laughs> Yeah, dude, uh, that, that that's something you know. We we've seen Slim Jims and and every other random thing that you know. When I was a kid, every week the slam of the week was JVC Tower of Power and all this other dumb crap that gets sold uh, on wrestling. Now apparently we're selling lawnmowers, so there you go. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Now Matt Hardy has a whole like legion of minions who he's taking thirty percent from. He yeah, continues to like, be big like, money like, Cardi Matt. Butcher the Bunny and the Blade. They're now party of the part of the Matt Hardy brand. Um, okay, like like Butcher and the Blade need to need to stop bouncing around from faction to faction and find a spot. Kind of like we just talked about with Sean Spears. It's like they're they're too good or they have too good of a look to just be this meandering. Yeah, it was kind of interesting that, like, at the blink of an eye, Eddie Kingston's family... Yeah, just uh, gone. Just gone. <laughs> Especially after his entire character was talking about how it's like, yeah, family means the most. Uh, he, he told... Uh, he told uh, the blades like like get get your house in order. You got to get your house in order. We're all about family, and it's gone. And there's some deadbeats out there who wish they could ghost their family as good as Eddie Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> there's some people on the Maury Povich show are like, wait, you can just like all, your family can just disappear because you feel like it, and you want to go hang out with your buddy Mox? Okay, cool. Where yeah. can I sign up for that? Yes, uh, I Scorpio's- too would like to go uh, hang out with my friend and drink alcohol in front of a fire pit. <laughs> Scorpio Sky won the Face of Revolution ladder match and turned full heel and tried to break Darby Allen's ankle. And I am here for some heel Scorpio Sky because at mm-hmm. least they're doing something with him. Yeah, and and I think I think he looked good both in winning the ladder match uh, and his match uh, that he got against Darby Allen. I thought he looked good. Uh, we had the debut of All Ego Ethan Page as the. Uh, uh, surprise entrant into the match. But my biggest takeaway was once again, Cody is making it all about himself. He suffers a, a shoulder injury and you think, oh, they're going to take him to the back and he's going to do the the whole shtick where, you know, here comes the resilient baby face fighting through injury to try and win it at the end. They started to, but then they just set up on on the stage next to the entrant and just in the, the entire match in the background, you see Cody and Arn and QT and Dustin and the medical crew working on Cody's arm, taking away from the actual action in the match. It's just like like one more instance of me just rolling my eyes at 
at the character that Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody Rhodes portrays on AEW television. And, and also, like, I understand, you know, the, this is the whole concept of grabbing the brass ring. But when everybody is fighting for what looks like a prop out of Sonic the Hedgehog movie, like, maybe rethink that. I mean, it looked so just, like... It looked like an earring from the 80s. It it looked like somebody took a, a, a hemorrhoid donut and paper, it painted it gold. <laughs> it looked like something you would get from Pier 1 or Pottery Barn. <laughs> but only if you go to the White Plains store. <laughs> it's like, y'all and got a prop get department. Come on. Come on. But I like what they did with Sky there. I like that, you know, right out of the street fight, you know, you got Darby Allen establishes Scorpio as a heel. Cody Rhodes doesn't realize that he's Triple H 2.0. <laughs> Turn healer, go away, but I'm just going to shut up about that. How could he not uh, that? Speaking of Darby and Sting, they defeated Team Taz. Is maybe there's yeah. some di- division in Team Taz. That was interesting. That was a great Where match, we- by the way. Like, I... Yeah. I I loved the story, the spots. Uh, like it was a very well done cinematic match. It's like I know some people kind of uh, thought that the live uh, commentary took away or was distracting. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I don't think it was enough to quote unquote ruin this match. I I thought I thought it was like like a very brutal. The spots that they were able to pull off because it was a cinematic match. I thought was was. Like like some very impressive uh, stunts, as we'll say. And plus, we got to see Sting in a in a wrestling ring again, where he uh, didn't almost die because of Seth Rollins. So that was nice. Yeah, so I mean, I thought everybody came out of that really good. Uh, I do got to say, they have to figure out something else to do with Sting. Yes, because I oh my I, god, I turn, I, I turn on Dynamite every week, and we watch it live now since the pandemic uh, happened. Uh, when AEW first came back, I wasn't, you know, subjecting the wife to, hey, you guys sit here and watch this professional wrestling show for two hours. But, <laughs> like, now she doesn't care. Like, I would just, you know, I, you know, I'd DVR it. I'd come home on a Thursday afternoon and, uh, you know, if I didn't have show prep or something I needed to do or while I'm doing my show prep or, or whatever I was doing that afternoon, I'd just have AEW on uh, and, and get caught up. But but not, now it's on live. That's what we do on Wednesday nights. And she kind of half pays attention and likes Orange Cassidy and has opinions on Cody Rhodes. Uh, she thinks he's a douche. Um, and he has a stupid neck tattoo, too. Yes. <laughs> and he looked better with dark hair. Listen to your listen to the women in your life, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and every week, you know, they'll they'll run through the car at the top of the show. Tony Schiavone, Skiavone, going to have an exclusive interview with Sting. And Shana goes, are people still excited that Sting came back? I'm not at this point. Like I, I really, I really think they've 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 burned the sting card way yeah, too often. Yeah. And and I have a feeling you're going to talk about how like like I talked about how the Young Bucks matches have a formula. They have a freaking formula for any sting segment. He starts to say something and then he's interrupted by somebody. Nine times out of ten, it's still Team Taz, even though that should have been the end of the freaking uh, feud between these uh, groups or whatever. But it's like, oh my god, just like like. But yeah, she. My my wife, who's the casualist of wrestling fans, is excited to go to me to AEW Dynamite because she knows I'm going to enjoy it, but also because it's in Milwaukee and there's beer and beer cheese and pretzels and stuff. <laughs> so, and, you know, we'll probably go to sleep if Orange Cassidy doesn't show up. So, I don't know. Um, when we go in July. 
Uh, and we're going to Milwaukee because it's just a random place that's having dynamite, and she wanted me, able to, me to be able to go to dynamite. We'll probably end up in Jacksonville, but anyway. Um, she's like, wait, is Sting going to come out and get interrupted again this week? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Except that this week, for some reason, he's going to get interrupted by Lance Archer, but Lance Archer's going to get interrupted by Taz, but then Taz is going to get interrupted by uh, Brian Cage. And Brian, I just respect you, bro. <laughs> I just got to say, dude. Stinger, I just respect you. And then Taz is like, what the hell are you doing, man? And also, speaking of Lance Archer, is he back to being a heel again all of a sudden after being kind of a face the last six weeks or so? Like, like what? Well, I mean, if you're going to go up against Sting, you kind of got to be a heel because it's not like anybody's, you know, the, everybody's going to pop for Sting. So it's not like he's a he's a heel. I mean, I, I, so. yeah, I guess I get that. But at the same time, it's like, I just I just love that what they've done with Sting since they brought him back in December. It's like, I can only imagine the conversations. Hey, Steve, it's uh, TK. All right, we need you to come down to Jacksonville this week. And we need for you to put on the face paint. And we need for you to uh, put, on your, put on your ring gear. And then you're going to get interrupted in a, in a segment. And like, we're going to drop some week, snow. Every week. Like, literally, let's think of all the tropes there are in wrestling for a promo, right? There's the vignette. There's the in-ring promo. Uh, there, you know, it's cool. Sting made his debut, and, and Skiavone walks over there on the ramp and talks to him. That's fantastic. Um, you know, you got Dasha or, 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 or Stupid Marvez uh, <laughs> backstage. Like, there's all these different settings that Sting can do something instead of having the literally the same segment every week. That said, he and Darby and Team Taz had a hell of a match. Yeah, they did. And so, let's see where that goes. All right, Dawes, before we wrap up this uh, first part of uh, the pod for today, we have to talk about that awesome match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Man. Woo! They killed it. They had a better match than about 80% of the AEW men's roster has ever dreamed about. Uh, the good brothers like to talk about catching a kiss. That was the wrestling equivalent of catching a kiss, bro. <laughs> I mean, like, that was that was one of the best women's matches I've ever seen in my life. I would put this up there with the best stuff that WWE's done since they started the whole women's revolution. Uh, I would put this up there against Charlotte versus Becky. I would put this up there against Bailey Sasha from NXT. Like, I... This this match blew me away, and it's like I wasn't able to watch it live. So I got up on Thursday morning, and I I didn't read results, but I I checked social media, and all I saw was people talking about how this match was one for the ages. This is a match that we'll be talking about for years to come. And I was like, okay, all right. I I had no doubt it was going to be good, but I was worried that it was being overhyped in my head and it was building to expectations that just weren't realistically they were going to be able to live up to I thought this match lived up to those extremely high expectations I had from this match these two women from bell to bell just beat the absolute hell out of each other and even though Thunder Rosa walks out the winner I think that was another star making performance from Dr. Britt Baker DMD I mean, it was just about perfect. And look, I want to be clear, like the historical significance of the match, I think adds to it. But the mat if you take all the other stuff out of it, 
the match stands on its own just for the bell-to-bell wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think the idea... Because, look, it was St. Patrick's Day last week, and it was a special edition of Dynamite because they do that, right? They have the special branded kind of super card editions of Dynamite. There wasn't quite the build to this one because you're just coming off a revolution, but it's a St. Patrick's Day slam. It's the women in the main event. It's the women in a lights-out match. I'm not going to get into it here. We've talked about it, and as I kind of think about it, I understand where you're coming from. There's some stylistic presentation things that I would do when I present a lights-out match to kind of tone it down and make it look more, like, less sanctioned. But that's a conversation for another day, and that's just my opinion on booking things, but whatever. This match was fantastic. Number one, the historical significance. I mean, I don't think there's been a lot of women's lights-out wrestling matches there's not a lot of lights out matches that happen again in mainstream wrestling. It's kind of like the exploding barbar death match. That's not something that happens as frequently. It is something that I think to this generation doesn't make as much sense as it did back in the day, right? When there's still athletic commissions involved in wrestling. And so they would literally have to have legitimate unsanctioned matches because the athletic commission wouldn't let you do some of the stuff they wanted to do. So they say, okay, well, the real the real card's over, but this other thing's going to happen. Uh, so the historical significance of that, of women doing that, of main eventing Dynamite, and then the actual match, they beat the ever-loving crap out of one another. They told a tremendous story. Both came out of this looking like a million bucks. Thunder Rosa gets her final revenge I guess mm-hmm. in this say she ends the feud but just like when Britt Baker and that was happenstance but when Britt Baker bloodied herself at the Nightmare Factory and that made her a star she was kind of turning heel this cemented her at the top of the women's division and look y'all can do whatever the hell the heck you want to do but here very soon Britt Baker needs to beat the piss out of Sheeta and get that belt yep mm-hmm she might not and that's what I think about that. I mean, I do not feel like I'm overhyping it when I say that is an early candidate for 2021 match of the year. I'm not saying you'll end up being the match of the year. I, I, It would certainly at this point be in my top five by the end of the year. Who knows? It may just be an honorable mention. But when you're talking about making a list of candidates for match of the year, those two women belong on that list. And, I, you know, TK loves everything and hypes everything up. He was not lying when he was talking about that's one of the better matches AEW's ever done. All right, so we're going to take a pause. All sorts of cool stuff happening in AEW, and that match was awesome. If you did not see Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, go check it out. It was, it was awesome. It was bl- bloody. It was gruesome. Maybe don't watch it while you're eating dinner. <laughs> but go check that match out, even if hardcore wrestling is not your cup of tea. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got some uh, news from the WWE uh, world uh, to wrap up this edition of Near Fall Radio. Next, here in just a moment on the Butt Munch Chips Radio Network. <laughs>
Welcome back to Near Fall Radio. He's still Rab. I'm still, uh, what did I call him? The Tennessee High Spot. Yeah, I'm trying to get that over his nickname. It's it's me. It's Landon. Um, Already talked about the happening. I am bourbon boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And bourbon boobs. I have a lot of nicknames. And I'm also the Dawes. <laughs> I am the man of many names, uh, apparently. Man of many names, man of few talents. But regard. Hey, there's another one. Um, talk, Already talked about what is happening in the world of AEW. So now we will turn our focus to the WWE universe as... Finally, they are now on the road to WrestleMania, though they just had another pay-per-view this past Sunday in Fastlane, uh, less than three weeks a month away from their biggest show of the year, which once again, WrestleMania is too big for one night, so it's happening over that Saturday and Sunday in April. I believe it's April 5th and 6th. If not, I'm sure you'll tell me I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, finally on the road to WrestleMania, I want to talk about what we have on the card so far. But the reason I bring up Fastlane, in addition to it actually happening, it was the first WWE event to be carried on Peacock, the uh, NBC Universal streaming service. And uh, it came out here recently that NBC Universal or maybe WWE itself has made some edits to some of the historical WWE programming that is featured on Peacock. Because right now, not the entire catalog or everything that was on the network is available. But what is up has had some uh, trimmings, so to speak. That's interesting. What did they trim? Uh, You know, briefly. Namely, they uh, trimmed out... And I understand why they did this. I think it was WrestleMania 6 where they, uh, for whatever reason, uh, Rowdy Piper decided to do half blackface. So part of his uh, body was, you know, white. And then he made a dramatic cut to the camera um, and it was in blackface. So they just cut that out from WrestleMania 6. I believe they definitely cut out that... uh, that package, and since Rowdy uh, Roddy Piper decided to wrestle his match in that get-up, yeah, that match has been cut out of WrestleMania Six. And also another noticeable edit is the time that uh, Vince McMahon called uh, John Cena, quote, my N-word, and then the camera cuts to Booker T and his wife Charmel so uh, Booker could utter his catchphrase, tell me he did not just say that which by the way that happened in 2005 where uh vince mcmahon just casually used the n-word for a joke in front of uh um some uh you know black people which holy shit yeah so um yeah and uh also in uh totally unrelated news WWE Hall of Fame has added some new names to this year's class of inductees. Um, Now, if you remember, last year the world caught on fire. There was this pandemic. I don't know if you've heard about it. So uh, the uh, 2020 class never got to be inducted. Uh, As a quick refresher, uh, those names of 2020 that were supposed to be inducted, it is JBL, John Bradshaw Layfield, the late David Smith, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, and then Jushin Thunder Liger, and he was supposed to go in was Dave Batista in the class of 2002. It has since come out that uh, due to a previously committed to engagement, Batista will not be uh, inducted this year and will happen in probably 2022, if, I'm, uh, if I was to guess. Um, Batista is a big Hollywood movie star after his success as Drax in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and some other handful of action movies. So I would imagine he has uh, Hollywood things to do and also... 
If I had to wager a guess, Batista probably wants to have his induction when it's a full house full of fans so he can get that reaction of coming out. Because this year, I believe the audience is going to be just WWE employees with a handful of fans. So it wouldn't be that full, oh my God, like reaction you would want to get when you're being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I, I can't blame Batista on that one. No, but it's just kind of like I don't blame AEW for not wanting to do an empty arena blood and guts match. Like, they're going to do that with a packed house or not do it at all. Uh, so, um, I, I, don't blame Bi- I don't blame Big Dave. If the other guys want to uh, go ahead and, and do it, go ahead and do it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't fault anybody uh, involved. But the uh, names that have been uh, announced for this year's WWE Hall of Fame, uh, we got a couple groups. Uh, the New World Order, which is the four pack of Hollywood Hulk Hogan, uh, one of the co-hosts of this year, as I previously mentioned, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman. Uh, which, interestingly enough, this is going to be the second time that all four of these men are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Hogan, Nash, and Hall have been inducted into the Hall of Fame for their singles career, and then Sean Waltman was previously inducted as a member of D-Generation X a couple years ago. Then uh, Nikki and Brie Bella are being inducted. Uh, The Bella Twins are going to the Hall of Fame. Um, uh, And then... Yeah, I I mean, like, I will say they're early parts of their career where they were just kind of, like, there to be eye candy. I would agree with the meh. But I think the latter part of their career... I, I think they really did some good stuff in the ring. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to, uh, you know, mistake their work for, you know, like uh, Savage, Steamboat, it Mania. But at the same time, I think uh, Bree and particularly Nikki really put in a lot of work to get better in the ring. And I think when they did call it a career, I think Nikki was one of the better performers in the Divas division. Um, now, granted, the uh, caliber improved vastly after uh, they left. But I do think uh, to bridge the gap to get to the women's revolution we got, I think uh, Nikki has to get a tip of the cap. I I, I was a fan of her work uh, when she did decide to call it a career. Another uh, WWE women's champion that is going into the Hall of Fame this year is Molly Holly, which I was a big Molly Holly fan uh, when she was in the ring. Uh, great worker in ring. Um, I, Granny panties. Yeah, I, thank you for bringing that up. Unfortunately, her uh, most memorable, uh, I guess, gimmick or or character or anything like that is making fun of the uh, underwear that she wears. And uh, Oh, what a time to be alive when that was the trash they'd hit on WWE and we just thought it was normal. I know, and, and I'm sure when she's uh, inducted to the Hall of Fame in a few years, uh, Mickey James will get to look back on the Piggy James storyline where apparently uh, – they were fat shaming Mickey James when in fact she was not fat. Um, another name that's being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, rightfully so in my opinion, the man that nearly brought WWE down or WWF back then uh, nearly brought them down. No, I'm not talking about the federal government going after Vince on steroid charges. I'm talking about Easy E, Eric Bischoff. Now, Easy E definitely deserves to be in every wrestling Hall of Fame on the face of the earth. Uh, we're going to start a Near Fall Radio Hall of Fame, and the only person that's going to be in it is Easy E. I'm okay with that. Like, like, like this was not planned out, but I am, I am okay with this breaking news. And uh, speaking of breaking news, this came out uh, the day we are recording this podcast. Rab knows about one of them. 
But he doesn't know about this. Right before we started recording, the great Kali was announced to be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. And no, I'm not joking. Oh, my God. You <laughs> Really? Yes. Yes, I know. Like, like he makes Drew Carey look like he deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Vince, Vince McMahon can just not, can't help himself with his big man fetish. Like, I, I just, like, wow. There's, um, uh, he's a one-time world heavyweight champion. Uh, he was the first Indian world champion in WWE history. And quite possibly one of the worst work rates. But I, like, I, yeah. Yeah, so so there's that, and then the one that Rab does know about, uh, this one hits uh, somewhat locally for me. It's my current mayor. Glenn Kane Jacobs was told by The Undertaker on WWE Bump he is being inducted into this year's WWE Hall of Fame, and that is a pretty full class. we still got a little bit of time, uh, so who knows if they'll add anybody else, but Rab, thoughts on the WWE 2021 Hall of Fame class so far? I think uh, certainly a lot of those guys from 2020, talking about JBL, Batista, even though he's not going to participate this year, certainly uh, deserving, Kane deserving, uh, Eric Bischoff certainly deserving. Uh, some of those other guys, some of those other folks, and I'll give the Bellas a pass because, you know, if they were kind of helping that transition period and stepped up their game, Okay, like it's not the worst thing. It's not as bad as the Great Khali. Um, like I get that it's kind of a work on who they want to put into the Hall of Fame, but yes. at the same time, mm-hmm. like, what? I mean, there are other wrestling Hall of Fames, but that's the one that's the most public facing, and it still kind of does matter, even though uh, WWE offers operates everything as a work, and they put in who they want to put, like. The second time they had the Slammy Awards back in the 80s, they claimed it was like the 25th edition of the Slammy Awards. You know, uh, uh, when you time is a flat circle in the world of professional wrestling, you can do what you want. But, you know, the reason people call Jim Ross a Hall of Famer is because Jim Ross is in what Hall of Fame? WWE. The WWE Hall of Fame. So, yep. and, and, and you are right. This is kind of just – a concept, not necessarily a thing. At least as of this recording, there's no, you know, brick and mortar building you can go to, pay a ticket and go look at, you know, the busts of Hall of Famers or stuff like that. There's always been reports out there that they're going to build something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if Orlando, Florida ends up being the home of the WWE Hall of Fame, especially since WWE now has an imprint in Florida with the Performance Center and NXT. But I'm, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is fine. Am I going to watch it? Nope. Uh, will I will I read the highlights and watch the clips on YouTube the next day? Yup. But it's like, okay, I mean, this is just now a part of WrestleMania weekend. Like, it's it's the Hall of Fame, it's an NXT takeover, and then it is WrestleMania. But because WrestleMania, again, it's too big for one night, pal. Like, I, I honestly think the WrestleMania schedule actually started while we were recording this in March. There's so much going on. Like, like... WrestleMania is two nights. They got the Hall of Fame. There's an NXT takeover. The not to mention your regularly scheduled Monday Night Raw. Your regularly scheduled Friday Night SmackDown. Your regularly scheduled NXT. Like, holy shit. There's only so many hours in the week, and I can't dedicate them all to professional wrestling. So, um, uh, 
like tip of the cap and also my condolences to these uh, podcasts and YouTube channels that all they do is recap WWE programming and get content out the day after it happens because those people are going to get no freaking sleep that WrestleMania weekend, which by the way, it's April 10th and 11th, not 6th and 7th, like I previously mentioned. My mistake, guys. But yeah, happening. I, I do like WrestleMania being two nights. It's oh, much better than having an eight-hour card, and it is the granddaddy of them all. Now, mm -hmm. I get that they weren't the first to do it because the big shows in Japan are sometimes two nights, Wrestle Kingdom and whatnot. Yep, Wrestle but, Kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, think, I think going forward, WrestleMania should stay. Uh, two nights. Now, maybe they should uh, streamline some of the uh, other uh, programming, but uh, I like the big card being two nights. Yeah, absolutely, because it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, it's like, I've fallen asleep several WrestleManias when it was like this eight-hour freaking slog, like, and I couldn't imagine, like, those poor fans that go to WrestleMania, I remember the year it was in quote-unquote New York, but it was actually New Jersey. Tons of fans got stranded because the, the main event ended well after midnight and public transit had shut down by that point. So there were people just stranded who used the subway to get there, but they couldn't use it to get back. So it's like if WWE's smart, they'll keep it two nights. And plus, hey, Vince, I know you like money. Instead of one night of tickets, you can now sell two nights of tickets. That's such good shit, pal. But uh, speaking of WrestleMania 37 uh, and it being too big for one night, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the yep. matchups we now have on the we card. We already have eight matches on the card. Yeah, holy Jesus. There's still like three weeks we to have get an episode, there. <laughs> we, have a, we have an episode of Dynamite booked plus some some matches for Dark. Yeah, no kidding. Like like people, people want to give uh, AEW Dark uh, grief for running like eight hours. Like, holy crap. Can I just say, though, like, I think eventually once the pandemic gets sorted out, Dark won't be four days long. That's Tony Khan out of the goodness of his heart not wanting to send these indie guys home who bust their ass to get down there and pay their own way and maybe get to be extra enhancement talent. He's at least letting them have a match in AEW so that they can go take that tape and send it out to people and get booked yeah so mm -hmm. it's annoying for us if you don't want to watch all that but then again if you don't want to watch all of it don't watch it like it's again aew coming from a good place yeah and i don't disagree um so uh so far at the top of the uh i guess card and wikipedia has this broken down into night one and night two i don't think that wikipedia knows anything what's going night uh, one and night two. they definitely don't like <laughs> what you're telling me a source that anybody can make edits to doesn't know something rab come on i'm <laughs> shocked uh but let's let's start with our uh wwe championship match and our universal championship matches respectively we have uh the almighty Bobby Lashley defending his title against former champion Drew McIntyre with the stipulation that hurt business members Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin are banned from ringside. Um, and then on the SmackDown side, we have, at least of now, Roman Reigns defending against Edge. But coming out of fast lane, it really kind of feels like Daniel Bryan might be inserted into this match and we might have a WrestleMania 30 situation where the fans are clamoring for D-Bry to go into this and it ends up being a triple threat match. I honestly think that sounds way more appealing than Roman Reigns taking on Edge because it's like Edge winning the Royal Rumble was great, but I just don't know. I've really kind of cooled on that match just because it feels like it's been so long ago and there's been so much happening and now Edge might end up being a heel or a tweener because 
He snapped and beat both Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns with a chair this past Sunday when he was a special enforcer or something and was screaming about how it, this was supposed to be his moment and you're taking away his opportunity. Who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, uh, on the women's side, women's SmackDown champion Sasha Banks defending against Lady Vol for Life, Bianca Belair. Uh, I personally, and there's been some campaigning on social, I hope this is one of the main events for one of the nights. I think those two are going to go out there, tear the house down. It drives me insane that a character named Reginald the Somalier has been the linchpin of this story and how Reginald the Somalier is being booked as the focal point of the WWE women's division. That drives me insane, but that's for another podcast. And on the Raw side, Raw champion... Asuka will be defending against the newly debuted Rhea Ripley, and I think that's going to be a killer match. Uh, Rhea Ripley, I think, got the short end of the stick last year when she had to do the J-O-B for the NXT Championship against Charlotte Flair. There's no way Charlotte should have beaten her, and Rhea Ripley really kind of lost a lot of momentum after that loss. Uh, I feel like they've built Rhea Ripley back up. They've done a good job rehabbing her, and she is now in a position to – Get that, get the win that she probably should have gotten last year. And plus, I love this new ass kicking Oscar that we've gotten after uh, Shayna Baszler legit kicked some teeth out and concussed her. Like Oscar is pissed, and I love it. Yeah, some of these sound, uh, you know, pretty good. I, I think Lashley and McIntyre is just kind of, you know, straight, straightforward. Uh, McIntyre lost to the Miz. Bobby Lashley cashed in his opportunity, uh, his payment for helping the Miz. Uh, get what he wanted and becomes a champ and uh, you know who knows in the WWE because they don't think like normal people but it would it would seem that you could give Lashley a little bit more of a run here and maybe he uh, retains uh, but that should be a good match obviously Lady Vol for life Bianca Belair uh, rooting for her in the SmackDown Women's Championship match versus Sasha Banks that should be pretty good um I think the Edge Roman Reigns match represents the big problem with WWE is they have this bloated, antiquated way of doing things. Obviously, they're not doing house shows right now, but the fact that we're in 2021 and you're still booking house shows because you just you know you, you can't change your ways uh, theoretically and and all the the TV programs and having to have a pay per view every month, even though mm. what would you guess Dawes probably ninety percent of people watch on the network? I I, I would honestly seventy five say, say it was it, it's higher than ninety. Like like in in twenty twenty, I don't know one single person who still is like yeah I'm gonna pay uh. Fifty nine ninety nine to watch uh, freaking Fastlane uh, through my pay-per-view provider. I'm sure that option is still out there, but I don't know anybody that was doing that, especially when you could pay nine ninety nine a month to just get everything, including yeah, the pay-per-view. Yeah. So, why, why do you need to have that at the end of every month? And like on, look, like AEW, sometimes things get rushed because they come right off of a, a pay-per-view and then they go into – you know they went, did the they had one dynamite and then they had the the shamrock uh, smackdown thing whatever the heck it was called last week but it's just a special night of dynamite exactly. like it's not like a whole it's not a whole thing where you're having to build these feuds and then the feuds you built to be able to have the matches at Fastlane maybe kind of uh, screw up your plan uh, for WrestleMania like you said Oscar's gonna Oscar's been on a tear what since she I'm trying to think like. 
Didn't she like win the Rumble or something like last year? I'm trying to remember. It was a couple years ago when she won the uh, won the women won the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like had that real uh, emotional uh, moment and, and all of that stuff. And that kind of uh, gave her a spark. And then, like you said, Ripley's rebounding from uh, having to do the job uh, for Charlotte Flair. Uh, those should be good. Um, I don't give a damn about the Bad Bunny, like uh, whatever the heck he's doing. Uh, yeah. Like I'm, sh- I'm not saying it's awful. I just I don't care. Cool, whatever. I mean, uh, you have to remember this is WrestleMania. There's always that celebrity involvement that yeah. Vince wants. And originally, this was being uh, pitched as Damian Priest and Bad Bunny teaming up to take the Miz and John Morrison on. As of now. It's just been booked as yeah. a straight-up singles match. And there had been reports that Bad Bunny really had been training hard because because he is a legit wrestling fan. Like, he grew up a wrestling uh-huh. fan. He understands how wrestling works. So if he put in the work and WWE feels confident for him to get in the ring by himself, I'll be honest, that's going to intrigue me way more than a tag match involving Bad Bunny would be because Bad Bunny doesn't have Damian Priest to hide behind. It's like, I will say, I think it's... Kind of unfortunate for Damian Priest, who, like, I'm not saying he hasn't gotten a rub from this Bad Bunny program, because people outside of the wrestling world are talking about this. Hip-hop fans, fans of Bad Bunny, are paying attention and watching this. After Bad Bunny debuted at the Royal Rumble, uh, WWEshop.com, I want to say they're four, or four of the top five pieces of merchandise were Bad Bunny WrestleMania t-shirts. So, I mean, like... That's... That's yeah, pretty cool. So his fans are clearly showing up. His fans are clearly paying attention. So it's like, like if if he's getting in there by himself one on one, and he's going, and if he does go in there one on one by himself, he's going up against the Miz, who is a very good worker, who is a very good hand, who is a hand that you can trust, and you know you're going to get a good match out of. So it's yeah. like, like I said, I'm way more intrigued by the prospect of him going solo than I am in a tag team match. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how that works out. I, I, you know, we had such low expectations for that Shaq Cody match, and it ended up being uh, decent. The best so. match of all time, Rab. You can say it. it's fine. <laughs> match the, of the, the year. Couple more matches on the card, just to run through real quick here before we uh, close up shop for the day. Uh, the Fiend with Alexa Bliss is in a feud uh, with Randy Orton, and they're probably going to kill the Fiend again. Or well, well, I mean, they, they, I don't know if they'll kill him because uh, this past Sunday at Fastlane, he came back after being burned alive three months ago. Yes, that's how a actual wrestling pay-per-view ended with a man being burned alive. He came back looking like uh, Freddy Krueger. So we have a new incarnation of The Fiend. Uh, and as it's being booked right now, it l- it's being booked as a straight-up singles match. We've seen these two fight each other a lot in just straight up singles matches for this whole pandemic era. It feels like like I'm honestly hoping we get a Firefly Funhouse match because like I I I'm starting to grow tired of the spoopy stuff and and if they can like end the spooky stuff with a Firefly Funhouse match and no more fireballs or or Randy Orton puking up black ooze like like Papa Shango put a curse on him or something. Like like if they can do what they did last year with John Cena and the Fiend in a Firefly Funhouse match, I think this would be a perfect way to end this feud. Um but like I said, it's just been uh, advertised as a singles match. Hopefully 
it, that will change because we do still have some time to get to uh, WrestleMania. And then we've got a couple of unconfirmed matches, but if you've been paying attention on Raw, uh, you do know the issue's already been challenged by AJ and Amos uh, to take on the now 11-time tag team champions in the New Day of Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. That'll be fun. I always look forward to see what New Day is going to be doing on WrestleMania because, you know, they'll have fun costumes and a cool entrance. Which, by the way, uh, shout out to Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston for their Mortal Kombat Scorpion uh, Sub-Zero uh, gear. That was legit awesome as a gamer. Uh, the other side of New Day, uh, current Intercontinental Champion Big E will probably continue his feud with uh, Apollo Crews. That should be fun. And then it wouldn't be WrestleMania if we didn't get a Shane McMahon match, a.k.a. the greatest wrestler in the world because he won the tournament in Saudi Arabia at Blood Money in the Bank, where uh, he won the uh, best in the world tournament. So canonically the best wrestler in the world, Shane McMahon taking on Braun Strowman, and I already don't care. So, Hey, good for Braun Strowman, though. I shared that with you a little while back. He got ripped, and they had a, pro, uh, a profile on it on uh, muscle and fitness. So if he can uh, get past the, the self-proclaimed best wrestler ever of all time period <laughs> statement end of the the sentence then uh maybe he can like go uh bang hats with Bobby Lashley or something cuz he 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 Braun uh now has the look of a of of a bamf yeah so, i mean yeah, there you go he was already a large guy but he got yoked as the kids say uh good on him getting the uh i guess spot in the uh in the profile in the magazine but you have to remember this time last year heading into wrestlemania 36 braun took roman reigns spot and ended up winning the championship but for whatever reason like just didn't do much of anything with the championship belt really felt like a very long transitional champion and like i i hope braun Strowman can get back to the level he was a few years ago when he was you know doing uh braun Strowman feats of strength every night on raw you know like uh flipping over ambulances pulling down uh scaffolds with a grappling hook and like throwing car doors at people and like like that's when Braun Strowman was at his absolute hottest when people wanted to see Braun take that next step for whatever reason WWE was hesitant to pull the trigger. And when they finally did pull the trigger, it just kind of fell flat. So hopefully this can start the, I guess, rehab process of Braun Strowman. Because, I mean, like we know Shane McMahon is signed up to uh, kill himself every time he steps in the ring by jumping off some inexplicably tall structure because he likes to do that. So hopefully... Uh, Shane McMahon will be launched off of the uh, pirate ship in Raymond James Stadium and Braun Strowman can like throw him through the field goal post or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I and by the way, like like they 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 dumped green gack on on Braun Strowman a couple weeks ago on on Raw because and. Oh God, I because I, Vince thinks it's funny. Pal. Yeah, I, I know. And I just I just I I. I just hate this Shane McMahon booking. Anyway, uh, I feel like if I go off on that, we'll be here for another uh, 45 minutes. But uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of kind of where we're at on the road to WrestleMania. Got a couple more weeks to get there. Um, I think I'm going to enjoy more of this card than I'm not. I am looking forward to it, especially it being over two nights. Um, 
And I'm interested to see what the final card's going to look like because I still like like I I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn might end up facing off against each other, and that'd be that'd be a fun story and match to see on the grandest stage of them all when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. Rab, thoughts on this year's WrestleMania card or anything else going on in the WWE for that matter? Man, I, you know, I hope I hope it's a good card. Uh, you know, uh, I hope it goes off well. For the performers and Bianca Belair wins uh, a women's uh, championship. But, you know, uh, I started voting with my dollars a long time ago and I don't like the way WWE does things. So I don't uh, invest in the product. But uh, I I want them to do well uh, because, you know, having two competitive uh, successful wrestling companies is good for business. The WWE got like it was because there was nobody who could check them and put them in line. So Yeah, and for the first time, it really feels like there is a legit competitor to the WWE and All Elite Wrestling. They're still not there yet. They, As we saw at Revolution, they still have, you know, spooty fireworks and uh, random stuff like that. But uh, it's been about 20 years since the WWE has had legit competition, and we just came up on the 20th anniversary of the doors closing on the last competition WWE really had, and that's World Championship Wrestling, WCW. So um, Rab and I thought it would be interesting to look back on the death of WCW with 20 years of hindsight, because I'll admit, and we'll get into this more in a future podcast I will admit I've changed my views on a lot of this stuff from when it initially happened, but look for that in your podcast feed probably sometime next week. So I uh, just, just want to tease that. And uh, if you have any thoughts on the closing of WCW or you want to you know, get at us with some of your favorite WCW moments, uh, Rab, where could, uh, where could they get at you on the socials? Uh, they can tweet at us at the show at Near Fall Radio, right? They absolutely can, and and we sometimes interact with y'all. No, we uh, uh, rabbit. If you tw- if if you talk to us uh, on the socials, we'll talk back. Yes, yeah, yeah, we absolutely will. We might not necessarily always agree with everything you say. Like, uh, I probably won't agree with you. Yeah, Rab is probably the- a ninety nine percent chance that I will not agree with what you had to say. Yeah, Rab is the more contentious of the two of us. I will just go ahead and tell you that. But uh, but yeah, get at us on the social. That's twitter.com slash nearfallradio. Uh, and then if uh, people want to get involved with you and your day job, Rab, where could they do that? Check me out at Rab Will. Uh, also, go subscribe to the WCT Radio Podcast. We just have a feed for everything going on at the station. Check out my program, Off the Bench. Monday through Friday, 11 to noon Central Time on WCDT. But again, it's a, a podcast up just about uh, every day if the uh, you know we don't have like technical difficulties or something. Somehow, uh, a recording a couple weeks ago uh, mixed two shows together. Uh, that were like three weeks apart, and so I couldn't post uh, a really good show I did a couple weeks because the the computer just you know uh, came from the same place. AEW got those fireworks, but uh, <laughs> if you, if you want to hear me be contentious and and loud loud mouth and and long winded and opinionated on sports, then uh, check that out. So did that episode sound anything like that uh, match on AEW Dynamite where somehow they started getting? Uh, feed from an NBA game. <laughs> I'm in the middle of talking about whatever I'm talking about in a segment, or I think I'm in the, like it's in the middle of like a commercial break and halfway through selling you some like Dodge pickup trucks. Uh, what up hangman? Um, 
it just cuts to me talking about something from like weeks ago. And I think it was actually an episode. It might have been an episode that you were on recently. And I think it was you and like a, a, another guy talking Titans or something. And the whole thing just got screwed up. So it would, you know, would have been a, a well listened to episode, but the, the recording got trashed. So I don't know what happened. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, and I will have my lawyer contact you for screwing up my appearance on the award-winning off the bench. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can get at me 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com, buttmunchchips and on your button munch. Um, uh, it hasn't been updated in forever. And the only reason I still mention it is because it auto renewed. So I have the domain again. So, uh, Go find really, really outdated podcasts of myself and Will Rab. Um, there's a season eight rundown of Game of Thrones uh, with Game of Thrones talk. And then uh, if you want to hear some uh, college radio stuff I did, if you want to hear the origins of, uh, of this, as I point to myself, it's an audio podcast, pal. Good job. Uh, go check that out once again, buttmunchchips.com. I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast, a uh, podcast of the happenings at the House of the Mouse down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, kind of went on a hiatus, and then I decided, you know what? I'm bringing it back. So uh, there's an episode of me, episode 149, just doing a very small, quick uh, podcast on that. It, it, It'll probably be coming back in some form, some iteration, so be sure to subscribe there. And then uh, speaking of subscribe, be sure and subscribe to Near Fall Radio in the iTunes store. Uh, su- uh, subscribe and leave us a review. Remember, five stars or GTFO. And I also appear on The Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the News Talk 987 app as well. Damn, my plugs are long, dude. I, we, I, I got like 47 other things I could plug, but like, you know, I just keep it. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll probably like see all the other stuff that, you know, I got going on links to pod and stuff because, you know, retweet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what's happened, especially here uh, going forward in uh, AEW Dawes. And, you know, like we said, we're on the road to WrestleMania and hope it's a really good show. So yeah, card seems to be shaping up well, and I do look forward to seeing what's next uh, in the house that Khan built. So for the Will Rab, I am A Landon Doan. Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Near Fall Radio. You've been great. We've been Near Fall. Thank you very much, and have a good night. still whoop their ass but they're good featured for a couple weeks and then back to their did you cut out uh-oh one two three four one two three four rab are you there 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm here, man. You you froze up talking about being excited about Laredo Kid. So uh, okay, all right. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. You asked me, did you cut out? And then you cut out. So so yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick it back up. There's your secret sound bottle. <laughs> <laughs> They, they happen so naturally. Thank you, bad internet connection. That was good. <laughs>